Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? You know, I got I got something interesting for everybody here today, right? I'm not the one who is going to be the center of attention today. I'm not the one who just got back from being in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. So uh, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass this off to Joe Barnett. Joe Barnett, what's going on? Freshly back from New Mexico and Colorado for nine days, and getting settled back into sweet, sweet Cincinnati. And and. and Happy to be here, baby. And and it's a it's great a, day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Indeed, it <laughs> is, Joe. Well done, sir. We got you there. We got to the finish line, mid-swig and everything. Uh, Joe, the councilman, welcome back to the podcast. You, as Hummer alluded to it, I think you've been gone for 9, 10, 14 days. You can let us know the details, but... You had a heck of a journey, and I think I think it it's it's only fitting that we start there. Let's hear a little bit about Joe Barnett's journey across America, uh, your motorcycle hiatus. Um, tell tell us how it went, sir. Give us a little, give the people what they want. Tell us a little bit about your trip. So, me and uh, some friends had a very poorly timed motorcycle trip with football season. The original plan was to only miss the Murray State game, which could have been handled pretty well, but life gets in the way. And I had to miss two games of my dearly beloved Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, I was able to catch both games uh, via YouTube TV and ESPN plus in the car. So I was able to keep up with my Bearcats. Uh, we drove from Cincinnati to Chama, New Mexico, which no one has ever heard of. Uh, my friend's dad and uncle went there 50 years ago on a similar motorcycle trip. So we hung out in Chama for a couple of days, spent a day chasing a 1920s steam locomotive between a couple of towns in New Mexico. So that was pretty cool. And then we drove to Silverton, Colorado, which is also in the middle of BFE. And we camped in Silverton for five days and we crossed a bunch of different mountains on off-road trails, got up to an elevation of 12,900 feet Ooh. on motorcycles. And let me tell you, staying at elevation for nine days, I was above 8,000 feet. The lungs are so strong. My resting heart rate has gone down at least 10 beats per minute. And I'm going to be super calm going into next week's game against Notre Dame. Liar. <laughs> cool as a cucumber, baby. So Calling cool. you out. I kind of wonder if maybe you had some sort of epiphany. This sounds like the kind of trip that a group of friends goes on. And maybe you find yourself in the mountains. You know, you've, you've, you're done with your biking for the day. Uh, you've, you've opened up camp. And that's when one friend reaches into his backpack and pulls out, and I guess he wouldn't really pull this out, but you're, you're, I don't even, I've never experienced it myself, but if you're this at peace, I have to wonder if Io, ayahuasca was involved. Like, were you guys, is it the kind of trip where you're, you're sipping on ayahuasca together, finding yourselves, you've got a shaman and you, uh, and you're a new man as you return back to Cincinnati, Ohio. There was some brown liquor and some local Colorado uh, flavor involved for certain. Very nice. So we've got an at peace Joe Barnett, who has since returned. And I think you told me before the podcast, you have caught up on the games. You caught up on the Murray State game. You caught up on the Indiana game. And so you're, you're well versed and ready to, to kind of rip off some some takes about the past couple games, the season at large thoughts on maybe things we've talked about on the podcast the last couple of weeks. Where do you want to start things off, Joe? Man, we have some serious kicker problems. I mean, I have never seen a team have so many kickoffs go out of bounds. It's straight up embarrassing, honestly. I mean, this is something that hasn't been a big problem until now. 
I mean, we watched Cole Smith on Let It Fly detailing cars getting down. What's the deal? Why where's can't the, he... Where's the attention to detail on kickoffs, Cole Smith? Right, exactly. I mean, I'm willing to forgive for a 50-yard uh, on the upright d- double bonk kind of kick, but kicking the ball out of bounds is just unacceptable at this level. And I really hope it doesn't come back and bite us in the ass sometime this year because we've gotten lucky so far. It's funny you bring up kicking to start. Um, One thing Hummer and I had the chance to do together while he was in town for his brief, uh, but yet very sensational stint through Cincinnati. I think I compared it to Forrest Gump. You were just sauntering through the city, meeting every single Cincinnati Bearcat celebrity you possibly could during your trip. But we ended that trip, Hummer, you remember, on St. Xavier's football field, kicking field goals. Um, I do. And Hummer's Hummer's brother was making outlandish proclamations about being able to hit. <laughs> what did he say? He said he set the over under at eight and a half out of 10 from 33. And let's just say he went way under. It was ugly. It was it did not go well um, for, for poor Sean Hummer. I'm not here to give Hummer I'm not here Jr. to give I'm not here to give Sean Sean Hummer shit. Or, 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 or crap here. What I am here to do is say, look, I'm never going to be a kicker for the University of Cincinnati ever because I didn't make any. So it's fine. We know is, you know, who is up next for your Cincinnati Bearcats is Zachary Coomer hit from 45 religiously. It, it, it was with leg to spare. He had it. I think he could have gone 55. He had it. And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bullet. He had the, he had the, he had the angle. He had the death. <laughs> he had the accuracy. He had the swagger, the sexiness, everything about it. Beautiful. Thank you. Hummer took the bait. He's, he's flattering me now with my kicking abilities. I just needed the record to show that yes, I do have a booming leg. Yes. 45 is well within range. And it did make me wonder at 33 years old, I've already graduated from the University of Cincinnati. Did Joe, what's the rule on this? Do I still have college eligibility left? I never played sports. Could I go back to the university and try out as kicker for next season? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you missed your shot, buddy. <laughs> your, your eligibility clock starts the day you step on campus and you have five years to play four seasons. Ugh. So... I've missed, missed my calling. Shot. Yeah, we can maybe get you on with one of the local semi-pro teams. There we uh, go. Maybe get you a tryout with the Bengals. There Although we go. They're, they're, Although their kicking, kicking situation, was... that's the only thing about their team that looks good right now is their kicking situation. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, so tying back into this kicking business, I was looking at ESPN's SP Plus rankings, and that's basically a future predictor based on your – current statistics and whatnot if you guys are interested i won't bore you with the details because truthfully i don't understand them 100 percent myself but a lot of magic involved all right first off there's magic okay uh not only is there magic uh harry potter there's harry potter spells involved so it's, it's it goes beyond it's like a, it's like a spell and then you have to you have to brew you have to brew some stuff and then you know it just spits out it spits out answers I like it. It's exactly right. It's created by Bill Conley of ESPN. And historically, in the past couple of seasons, it's been very kind to us Cincinnati Bearcat fans. Well, it's not so kind on us on special teams because we're currently ranked 123rd in special teams, SP. Ooh. We have earned that. We, <laughs> we, earned we sure as hell have. <laughs> Would we be 130 without Trey Tucker's kick return? Is that, is that uh, how that works? Does that factor into it, it at all? Are we, are we 130 out of 130 without the uh, the Trey Tucker magic? It's pretty likely, I think. I, honestly, I think the only reason we're there is because it's uh, we've had three games. And if I'm going back, and I don't know if there's a staff for this, so if someone's out there, call me out on it. I think it's four. Three games, four kickoffs that have been kicked out of bounds. It's a at freaking least. kickoff. Kick the ball in bounds. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. Um, there's no denying that. And uh, in terms of his, in terms of his on field actual field goal attempt situation, it's not like that's been we've been overly reliant on that that at this point. But 
you know, giving giving teams amazing field position once or twice a game uh, just by sheer self-sabotage. Yeah, um, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. Shooting yourself in the foot, you know. Uh, like a Pac-Man Jones. It's it's yeah. not ideal. It's not the way to win. And, and as everything that's happened so far, especially in the Indiana game, everything has been through the prism of we can't do that against Notre Dame. The slow start, you can't do that against Notre Dame. The kickoff out of bounds, you can't do that against Notre Dame. I, I do think there's a lot of truth in that. Like uh, as the competition gets better, you can't afford to make the most silliest, the most silly of mistakes. And, and that would certainly be one of them. So uh, certainly something to, to clean up for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if they make some adjustments to that in the bye week Maybe we'll see the rake out there j- drilling kickoffs. I don't know, but I don't know that Cole Smith is the answer to the kickoffs currently. And I don't know that I've seen uh, the backup kicker, Alex Bales, I think is his name, do much better. So it's something that absolutely has to get cleaned up because to go undefeated, you have to win all three phases of the game. That's what they say. That's what I've heard. I've heard Phil Sims say it before. You've got to win in all three phases. Um, is this something um, he struggled Bearcats, with in right. the past? Did he struggle with this? They don't need to do that. Look, for the Bearcats. We only need to win in two. Okay? Two out of three. Was this a problem two out of three. Not bad. Was this a problem? I don't recall this being a, a major problem last season. I know it happened maybe once or twice, but not as frequent as it's been. And, I mean, let's face it. Cole Smith was the hero of the American championship game last year. He drilled that kick in the rain and I was thinking, okay, this guy's turned the corner, but now I'm not so sure. Hopefully he gets his, uh, gets his shit together. I might have to pull him aside, take him out to St. X and um, just talk him through it. I can be, I can be his personal shaman for getting him back on track as a kicker. That's what I'll take it upon myself to, to make that happen. Yeah, if I would have known better, I would have taken him out to Colorado with me. Maybe we, he could have had a spiritual journey as well. That's right. Well, we've probably spent a little bit too much time on kicking, but it is important and it could cost us. And I think it is something that we definitely haven't even hit on very much, which is the weakness in special teams so far this year. Um, how about that? We're spending too much time, to be honest, on the on the weakness of the special teams because we we didn't. Well, it feels we've like seen them a lot on the kickoffs, but. Field goal perspective, we've only had one out of three. Yeah, he needs to make more. He needs to make more than thirty-three percent. Obviously, uh, last year he was actually in. I don't know if this is good. You guys tell me. His last year he was seventy percent. That's solid. It was a solid performance last season. So if seventy percent's the the solidness, obviously he needs to do better. That is what it is. So you. Let's- I mean. It did lead to a big dick thick moment in the Indiana game where he went for it on fourth and one instead of kicking a field goal. So, oh, those yeah, are actually, always let's, exciting. Let's rewind that. It wasn't just a big dick thick moment because during that whole sequence that you're talking about, I was literally texting a friend being like, all right, so he actually made the field goal before the penalty, right? So we could have declined it, taken the three points, and then moved on with our lives. And big dick thick said, no. He said, no take those three points away. I'm going, we are going for the first down. We are going to score a touchdown that I just want to make sure we put that in perspective, how big of a big dick thick moment that was. And if you've seen the video they've shown uh, ESPN posted it on Twitter, fickles, like not even nervous. He was just like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Are you surprised by that though? After watching, and I hope both of you have seen this. I know Hummer has because I sent it to him, but um, we talked about it. <laughs> rising star Deshaun Pace posted uh, on his Instagram story. I guess he went live in the locker room after the Indiana victory. Um, and it included most of, if not all of Luke Fickle's uh, post-game speech to the team, which was just, it made me fall in love even harder. I couldn't love this man more than I do right this second after listening to how he was speaking to the team after the game. There's a lot of cursing. If, if, you, if you're sensitive to cursing, maybe it's not for you, but if you don't mind it and you, and you understand the reality of a college football division one locker room, uh, this, this hit all the notes for me. I just found it. I found everything about it just to be perfect. What about you, Joe? Did you hear it? Oh man. To hear my father, Luke fickle talk like that, just, it pulled my heartstrings. 
it brought tears to my eyes and I knew Cincinnati was the place for him. That feels like a recruiting pitch. Like to me, I feel like you hear that and you're like, I want to be a part of this. Listen to this guy. Look how the team's reacting. Give seeding the floor to a player like my Jay Sanders. And by the way, I love how he pulled my Jay Sanders and singled him specifically out in that video as a way of noting, like, here's everything he's dealing with um, in terms of how teams are game planning around him and trying to take him out of the picture. And he's not allowing it to impact his level of his level of commitment and his level of play and his level of buy-in. And, and because of that, it's making the entire team better. I thought that was, that was shrewd of coach fickle. Um, and, and is, it just captures how on the point on the money he is as a head coach. Our fickle. Hollow be thy name. <laughs> our locker room come. Our, our wins be done. Thy will be done. <laughs> Until the Bearcats make the college football playoff. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, that thank you. Thank you, Hummer, for uh, leading us in grace. I will now um, eat my bread. Let's um, – any what other big takeaways you have, Joe? So you, you missed a couple games. You're watching the last two. There's probably not much you want to necessarily rehash from Murray State. Obviously, it was a slow start, but we finished on a 42-0 run in that game. Um, but in terms of maybe what you saw in Indiana or a theme of the first three games, what else? What other what other observations do you have? Well, firstly, I would like to call back to my Nostradamus abilities about Murray State because I did say that they were going to score early because their offense was going to catch UC off guard which it did and then they locked them down and just beat the piss out of them so um, the the biggest thing I have is this team has not played a complete game yet we've literally played Three good halves of they didn't play well in the second half, really. I mean, third quarter, yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm. So, this team has not played a complete game, in my opinion. Um, they played well in the fourth quarter against Miami after a after a bad third quarter, but abysmal, it was abysmal. Yeah, yeah, we're thinking about it, yeah, it was abysmal. So, you know, they come out strong against Miami, and we're like, okay, cool, this is good. Uh, have a crappy second half, and I'm like, eh, well, you know, they're just not up for the competition. They're up big, hard to be motivated. Then they come out and lay an egg in the first half against Murray and then beat the piss out of them in the second half, so they apparently can make the right halftime adjustments. So, okay, looking good there. And then, again, we struggle in the first half against Indiana, come out of halftime, look pretty damn good. So hopefully I'm going to stop you there real quick, just for a quick, quick star. We struggled for one and a half quarters in the first half. That's fair. This is true. I will accept that. I will accept your terms. They did. They did finish the half strong. Yeah. I would have never expected them to be 14, 10 heading into half of that Indiana game. All hope seem to be lost one thing we didn't necessarily talk about and I, I actually think before i move on i should say that actually is a really good good and astute point joe the fact that they haven't put an entire game together and it does feel like october 2nd is the perfect time to to let that happen obviously i feel like a lot of times during the season you rarely it doesn't feel like you usually get four quarters of amazing football through through an entire game like you're going to have ebbs and flows and moments of of giving up a a touchdown you shouldn't have or a turnover that you shouldn't have or an offensive lineman trying to uh, one hand a fumble recovery and juke out defenders. Sometimes that's going to happen, but there is usually that one or two magical performances during a season when things do click on all cylinders. And we saw it. I think it started with SMU last season and you saw it for, for two or three, two or three consecutive games where defense and offense and special teams worked in unison to pitch quote unquote perfect games uh, against the likes of SMU Memphis. And there's probably one other, one other game there I'm missing, but now would be a perfect time to see that happen against Notre Dame. And it probably is much more likely that it's actually needed to go win at South Bend against a, a, a currently a top 10 team. 
Yeah, I think I think we'll see some good adjustments come. The bye week was kind to them last season, so hopefully we'll see some changes. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with offensive line coming out of this bye week, because John Williams may have put himself in the doghouse after that attempted uh, scoop and score on his <laughs> behalf, and uh, Lorenz Metz, man, he played pretty much lights out. I mean, he seems like uh, he's kind of out of position to be a guard because of his size, but he looked pretty damn good against Indiana. So it's going to be hard for Vinny McConnell to get his job back, especially if it takes him a few weeks to recover from uh, what I heard was mononucleosis. Ooh, man, that's not good. I did not hear that. Um, that's not ideal. That is a illness that lingers in terms of uh, stamina, Stop making out with the floozies, all right? <laughs> I mean, can you blame a guy who once went by the name Sensei Curtis? I mean, true. We should have seen it coming. Yep. He didn't. Fair. Very fair. I do want to ask you, Joe, after these first three games of the season, after watching their performance against Indiana, which I think has now been a little bit underrated um, given, I think that the the slow start has soured people on the performance overall, when in reality, it was a pretty strong road performance, all things considered. How do you feel about the Bearcats prospects to, to run the table, but running the table also includes beating Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Do you feel more bullish, less bullish, or about the same as you did at the start of the season? I'm going to lean a little beyond where I, where I was. So I'm leaning towards the more bullish side. Um, They did make a statement in Indiana, I think. And a lot of people are just going to be like, Oh, Indiana's not good. It was a great win. It's hard to win on the road. Indiana has probably never had more Indiana fans in that stadium ever, even with 10,000 Bearcats fans there. So I'm feeling really good. UCF probably isn't going to be the same without Dylan Gabriel, my collarbone brother. Um, may he may he heal. May he be able to wipe his own rear end soon with his dominant hand. And the Bearcats are going all the way, baby. I, It's happening. We're going to beat Notre Dame in two weeks, and then we're going to coast, hopefully, to the college football playoff. Be careful with that word coast. Be careful with that word coast. I know how these things go. Notre Dame is certainly the most difficult game left on the schedule, but coasting is something I wouldn't necessarily anticipate. There's going to be some team out there in the American that's ready to, to give us a frisky game. I don't know if it's Memphis. I don't know if it's a Tulane team that on any given night can score some points. Um, but, you know, maybe there's, there's got to be someone out there ready to put up a fight. There, there's some people ready to put up a fight. And, the more I'm starting to dig into this Notre Dame game, it's not going to be Notre Dame. Uh, they're going to get sacked a ton of times. This is this is going to be the my Jay Sanders game. Uh, but we know everybody's, oh, yeah, we game plan against him. This is going to be his game. And if it's not his game, it's going to be Beaver's game, one or the other. I'm sorry. We have two linebackers that are just going to absolutely destroy your backfield at any given moment. So they're screwed because they give up, you know, so many sacks a game. It's, it's dumb. Um the thing with UCF, though, uh, what I'm kind of disappointed about is their defense isn't good. Like they're just, in my opinion, even with Gabriel, they're not that good of a football team. And it sucks for our conference. Like they have the they they basically what they have now is the name brand. They weren't they very good brand. with Dylan Gabriel, and now they're starting a true freshman. Is it a true freshman or is it a is it a redshirt freshman? Have we done that? That have we done our diligence on that yet? I I shouldn't ask the question if I don't know the answers out there, but. We don't know the answer. All we know is that uh, the the Christian Simmons guy, who's all all up, obviously he's he's a UCF Pegasus podcast guy, uh, just basically is just blinded by everything UCF. Um, just one of the worst takes on the internet type of guy I've ever seen. Well, he really almost as he bad hates, as Brett Murphy, almost as bad as R.J. Young. He hates he Desmond Ritter with a passion. Like he, he is Des Ritter's number one hater but their podcast was talking up this freshman before the season started. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, take that for as a grain of salt, but they were talking them up. My issue though, is that their defense is trash. Like their defense is legitimately middle of the road. It's not that good. Like, Oh, by all, by all metrics, by all, look at, look at the eye tests. Like you play Louisville, 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 Louisville. And you guys got trounced. All right. At the end of the day, I just don't think they're that good. I don't think they're the second best team in the league. I think SMU is, is vying for that title as second best team in the league right now. I think Memphis is also looking like they're probably, uh, in that conversation and probably more clearly in that conversation at this point in terms they're of being also, the second best all, team. All three of them are trash. This, yeah, this league I, is not good this year. And that's, what's going to hurt us at the end of the day is that this league is not good this year. I'm a bad college football fan in that I'm not obsessed with rooting for teams that we're going to play. Like I don't like UCF and therefore I love watching them lose. And therefore I get so much enjoyment out of a pick six to lose a game at Louisville. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I, I think we did lose a threat there, but again, watching them play against, against competition that is lesser than from Cincinnati's perspective and, and get lit up on defense and even struggle at times offensively. Although, you know, Gabriel was having a solid season overall and he was definitely more of a threat probably than this freshman is. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, I, what I'm really enjoying as a Central Florida hater is these, these comments now that you see online about, all that matters now at this point is beating Cincinnati and knowing that they're hanging all their hopes on this entire season. The only way they get validation uh, or, or positivity out of this 2021 season is to beat Cincinnati, knowing that the Bearcats can now play them and just absolutely rip their, the entire heart out of their rotting corpse is, is, uh, is music to my ears. I like the idea that we can, bring so much pain and angst and suffering to that entire fan base. You hate to see it. Dun, 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 dun. You know, though, let's, let's talk about this for a second though. I'm, I'm really excited that UCF is not a regional. They're not regional at all. They are by all accounts, a, a solid 16 hour drive away. Uh, or for any of you counting on our recent uh, Twitter Twitter mentions, a solid two-hour plane flight. Uh, you know, not far away. They make planes for for all these geographic regions. You know, it's 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 a modern it's a modern convenience that's recently been invented. You know, as as early as the 1920s. But whatever. I'm excited that there's actually a legitimate football rivalry developing with UCF. Sorry, Central Florida. Got to correct myself there. Got to, got to take away the respect. Central freaking Florida. Um, I'm excited. There's a, ri- a legitimate rivalry that's developing between us. Like we've kind of maybe found they're not our, like, you know what I mean? We've maybe found our equal, but they're not quite our equal. Uh, there's some parallels. Know, there yeah, there's yet. some parallels. Between... But they're not there yet. They're not there. Well, I'm sorry. I, there is a funny parallel between the two universities that Joe and I were talking about before you hopped on here, Hummer, and I am going to rehash it for the podcast. Um, but you think back to, to Cincinnati hiring Butch Jones as head coach and Butch Jones is our coach. Uh, how many years did he coach here? Was it four years? Did no, it three, three, like three, three year run with the Bearcats. Um, and he was looking for every freaking door he could open on his way out. Yeah. Like he, he, no, was he, he day one, he got here day, day one. He was looking for the, he was looking for the exit day two very transparent that it was a stepping stone for him and that he wanted nothing more than to, to leave the university for more money and, and more prestige and more notoriety elsewhere, which, which he eventually found and by going to the sec and coaching Tennessee where he uh, floundered and did not do well and, and became a punchline of sorts. What's he do now? Uh, last season, he was part of Nick Saban's uh, reformatory for failed head coaches. Oh, so all right. He, Lane Kiffin, the the Lane Kiffin's the Lane Kiffin Academy. I guess that's what they call it now. Lane. Kiffin. I don't know if yeah, this I, is an unpopular opinion. I actually kind of like Lane Kiffin. Like I kind of believe in his ability, but he was part of that reformation uh, project. Yes, he has a good attitude. I mean, we're gonna sing, you know, blah blah blah, all the way to rock, whatever, Rocky Top, all the way to Fort, whatever. Like he speaks the right stuff, but I don't think he's a good coach. Well, and, and time will tell him that he's he's doing a solid job so far at, at Ole Miss. And I do like that he's willing to take the fight to people like Nick Saban, who's frankly Huge just completely untouchable. 
huge eyebrow. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we have Butch Jones. He moves on to Tennessee um, where he doesn't do well, flames out and inevitably gets fired. Um, When he leaves the Cincinnati university of Cincinnati replaces him with a former Auburn coach. Yeah. Don't say his name, please. It makes me sick to my stomach. I'll hold off. They replace him with the former Auburn coach uh, who was then at Texas tech. Um, He, I have to say his name. I just have to do my, I have to do it, Joe, cover your ears. Tommy Tupperville. uh, It was then the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats who had a, who had a solid first season and it, and it rapidly declined from there. Got very ugly. It was, it was not a pleasant ride or experience from then on out. It was the dark ages of the Cincinnati Bearcats modern football history. I was asked to leave my church of Nippert stadium several times for heckling him behind the bench was not good times for anyone involved. Yep. And I should have mentioned too, that before, before Butch Jones was Brian Kelly and Brian Kelly, absolute rock star um, took, took the Cincinnati Bearcats to heights. They had until recently never seen, never seen at that point, right. Legitimate national content, national title, contenders if a, if a second or two goes our way. Um, so that, that's an important note as well. So all of this happens. Tommy Tupperville flames out at Cincinnati, and uh, we replace him with Luke Fickle, who has since become the, the Lord and Savior of all things University of Cincinnati Bearcats football, uh, and, we, and we worship at his altar. By the way, he probably hates the fact that we talk about it like this, but Luke, it's the truth. It's the truth. This is how we feel about you. It's- Love you, Dad. <laughs> It's interesting, though, to look at Central Florida, and I would say maybe the equivalent of their Brian Kelly was Scott Frost. And Scott Frost has this incredible run with them that culminates with an undefeated season and a fake national championship because they didn't you know, qualify for, was it the playoff at that time? Or was it simply uh, BCS? It was the playoff. It was the playoff. So Scott Frost has this incredible run. Um, UCF is seeing heights that they had not seen before. And then he, he quickly departs as did Brian Kelly for, for bigger and better. Now, Brian Kelly got Notre Dame, which is a legitimately amazing job. Scott Frost went to Nebraska and things have gone horribly ever since. And he himself is is not doing well. So maybe there's not so much of a parallel there. Um, They follow him up with Josh Heupel. Who's a guy who reminds me a bit of Butch Jones. I don't know that it's, I don't know that that's founded in fact, the, the reason it's important is because Heupel, after a few seasons at Central Florida, takes his talents to Tennessee. He's Butch Jones in this case. And who do they follow it up with? Who do they hire, Joe? Who is the next coach of Central Florida who is now the head coach uh, there this season, his first season, 2021? Another Auburn retread in Gus Malzahn. Which could spell doom. If this if this comparison is is, is as accurate as I think it is. This could spell true doom for central Florida here in the next few years. So stay safe out there. Uh, We're going to watch from from afar with popcorn uh, and beer and, and, and lots of amusement. I look forward to it. My next trip to central Florida, I may spend more time worrying about my Disney tickets than worrying about the Citronauts. So we, I, before I took us off on that uh, completely arbitrary tangent there, I do think that I'm also a bit more bullish on the Bearcats winning at Notre Dame than I was before the season, and I was already very bullish about them going undefeated. But I think a lot of that's driven by the fact that Notre Dame has proven to not be as – I mean, they're not even as no, formidable as I don't think they no, are. No, no. They're incredibly formidable. They're great. They're the best team we've ever seen. They're amazing. They there's nothing they do wrong. Um, there's they're just the greatest team we've ever seen, and we need them to stay that way. Okay, okay, okay. I think what okay. I should have said is Notre, okay. Notre Dame is the normal Notre Dame. Notre Dame is lots of hype, lots of bluster, not lots of cachet. But when I watch them on the field, they don't scare me in the least. That's what I, that's how I feel about Notre Dame. But has any team really scared you this year? Alabama always scares me. Alabama. Don't play Alabama. Alabama is in a completely different league than everyone else playing college football. 
but we're, we don't play on like we're, we're not scheduled to play that any team that we're playing is we are scheduled to play them we're play, we, we're going to play them in the college football playoff we're going to end up number two and we're going to have a bye week and we won't play them until the last game of the year it'll be fine well there's lots of reasons why that's not true and i think we're going to eventually get there i know we're we're kind of uh hinting at Anything it in this them. podcast with justin williams which is i've already joe this is we need to talk about this with you because I was texting you about the rankings and the AP rankings and Penn state passing us and Iowa passing us, Oregon passing us. We did, we did fall. We did move in front of Clemson and Ohio state, which is, is always great to see. You have told me and Hummer that guys don't worry about these AP coaches, poll rankings. These aren't the ones that matter. Don't stress out about it. It's too early. But our concern is, and I think you've listened to the last episode, that that these are the exact types of shenanigans and narrative setting that the national media and, and AP voters will do as a way of setting up the Bearcats uh, to be snubbed if they, in fact, do go undefeated this season. Share with me your perspective on, on why it's much ado at this point. So the big key here is that we're not trying to fight our way all the way up. We started at eight. They gave us a little bump up. Then they honey dicked us, dropped us back. And you know what? It's okay. Because there are seven teams in front of us. And I'm going to guess five or six of them are going to have at least one loss. So all we have to do is just keep winning and things are going to roll in our favor. Um, we need Indiana to finish strong. Hopefully they took that ass beating and they're going to use it as motivation in the big 10. We're going to go to South bend. We're going to kick in Brian Kelly's door. We're going to kidnap his dog like John wick. And we're coming back to Cincinnati with a victory. And then we're going to go tear through the AAC SMU is going to start creeping up. Everyone's going to get on the Mordecai train. They're going to take the L and then we're going to be playing in the American championship, lay a smackdown, and we're going to be ranked number four in the last college football playoff rankings. Wow. I appreciate everything you're saying. I love everything about it. You're wrong. You're flat out wrong. The shenanigans are going to continue. Uh, they will, they've already shown willingness to put one loss teams ahead of us in the, in the past. They will certainly do it again. Uh, all Ohio state literally has to do is beat an undefeated Iowa team. At this point, they're, they're jumping us. No doubt about it there. Uh, when we do steal John Wick's dog, in Notre Dame and they just decide that, you know, you know what, we're not going to lose out of the game and they go on a tear or something like they're going to jump us because that's just how it works. Um, at the end of the day, the college football playoff committee is all about the eyeballs that are going to be on those games and they don't view us as an eyeball getter. Um, they view us as the eyeballs are already there against the teams that happen to be there already. Um, so they want the teams that they perceive to be the best ratings getters and that's why this system is rigged it's rigged against us because they perceive us as not to be the eyeball getter i think but my my art guys i'm sorry i went real dark that's okay <laughs> but here's what here's what you have to think of we now have the big 12 in our corner and they're going to want to pump us up so i think that's going to help us you know, when it comes down to it is it's not just going to be Cincinnati. It's going to be incoming big 12 team Cincinnati. And we may get just the hair of a benefit of a doubt that we need to get into the playoff. <sighs> I would, I would, agree. I would, I, I would be attempted to agree with you, but if you go look at the current AP rankings, none of the big 12 writers give a shit about UC. None of the none of the AP riders in Big 12 land give us any respect, even though that we're joining their conference. They still have us back outside of the top five, outside of the top six. You know, legitimately, we did ask Justin Williams this. We went out, like we went at him and said, All right, if you were an AP rider, what would your ballot say? 
and he kind of danced around the subject a little bit, but then he, he gradually settled on UC being six. And I think that's fair. I think six is fair today. The way it stands is fair. Uh, the big 12 writers, they're, they're, they're not, they don't care. At the end of the day, I still think that every big 12 team is still looking out for themselves and that there's still going to be some, I don't want to call them shenanigans. There's going to be a carousel coming up in 2024. That's when the PAC 12 rights come up. It's also when the big, big 10 rights come up. I think we're going to see some shuffling around and who knows what the heck is going to happen when that happens. I don't, I think this is still very much up in the air and I don't think big 12 writers care at this point, whether UC is ranked, whether they're not ranked, whether we're in the conference or we're not in the conference, they don't care. That and there's a, a current team in the conference who would deliver them the, the windfall of cash that comes with making the college football playoff in Oklahoma um, and will very much be vying for a spot against them as well. I, I guess my concern is this, and I tried to explain it with Justin Williams. I'm not sure I did a great job, but I feel like historically in terms of the college football playoff and, and really BCS rankings in general, when you are ranked preseason at a certain spot, let's just call it top 10. And in UC's case, you're number eight. Historically, it feels like when you hold serve and you win emphatically and you, and you have impressive wins on the road and you do what you're supposed to do, that old saying, you did what you're supposed to do, you hold your position or improve if the people in front of you lose. This has been absolutely unequivocally not true for the Cincinnati Bearcats so far this season. They've won against Miami 49-14. They beat Murray State 42-7, which again, people have qualms with this. It was a 42-7 victory. They won on the road at Indiana 38-24, and we're still finding ourselves being passed in the AP poll by teams who, who have a good win and, and they see themselves move up five rankings. Um, or we even drop down like we did in the coaches poll. There's going to be opportunities to regain our footing and to, and to earn our own jump. And I think it's going to come here in two weeks at Notre Dame, but we talked about it and joked about it. We're probably moving down in the rankings a spot or two this coming week, just because of a bye week we're not going to hold court again, just because of a bye week So probably whatever gains we get against Notre Dame by be beating them at their place, that's just simply going to make up lost ground. And then my concern is you go on this run of Temple, Central Florida without Dylan Gabriel, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, USF. That is a that is a run of opponents that's going to get absolutely no respect whatsoever. It's going to do very little to help us move up against against teams who even have one loss. So I think you're right, Joe. I think plenty of teams are going to end up with with one loss, I just think they're still going to keep us behind those teams as well. So to, it's, it's honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's reaffirming why college football playoff expansion is so absolutely necessary, even when we end up in the big 12 in a couple seasons and have a much more realistic path to making it on our own merits when it's only four expansion is the right thing to do. Expansion is what they need to get to be at 12, be at 16 teams, whatever the case may be. It's simply needed. Otherwise, it's it's a completely corrupt and broken system that that really just causes me grief. And it's why, frankly, the healthy thing to do if we're all going to be healthy mentally going forward, we need to detach success this season from making the college football playoff. Go go undefeated, win the games on our schedule, do the unthinkable, back to back undefeated regular seasons. But we need to detach our own happiness from what the college football playoff committee will do. Here's what we need. Here's what success is for the Bearcats. You ready? This is for me, at least. Because we've already seen it twice now, at least. And it sounds terrible because in our short in our short lifetimes, we've had two opportunities at undefeated seasons. Both of them ended in losses. We need to go undefeated this season. That's it. We need to go undefeated. I want a shirt that has 13-0, 14-0, whatever it is. Un, undefeated. That's what we need. I don't want to, I don't want a 13 and one. I don't want a 12 and one. Whatever we do needs to be undefeated. That's the, that's success this year. What say you, Joe? I'm all aboard. I mean, if we can run through the regular season and we get screwed by the CFI, the college football invitational, 
and we get a sweet bowl game, maybe another peach bowl, maybe an orange bowl. Please let us play Ohio State if this happens. Please let us play Ohio State if this happens. Please, for the love of God, let us play Ohio State. I said after the last time we went to Columbus and got curb stomped that I would never wish for Ohio State again. (laughs) But if we could get Ohio State this year, I can't remember who the writer was. It was was Stuart Mandel has Ohio State versus Cincinnati in the Fiesta Bowl in his bowl projections on the athletic. Bring it. Please let that happen. I will be the guy who declares a national championship for the University of Cincinnati in the same exact way that Central Florida did because it is actually in the record book. I have to give them that. If you go to the NCAA record book and go national champions that year, they are listed as one. Whatever. I want Ohio State if we're not making the college football playoff. Give them to me. Fuck them. Fuck them. Uh, that's pretty bold. Uh, I, I, I am giving it up to you, Hummer, for that level of enthusiasm for Ohio State after what they did to us in 2019. That was this not pretty. 2019, man. This is 20. That was not pretty. And if there's brand a- new year, brand new circumstances, they have zero. Ch- I will bet whatever the spread is. I don't even have to lose the opening spread. I'm in on it. All right. I'm in on it. Not even look at. I'm in. Whatever it is, I'm taking it. You see favor, taking it. I love it. So you're taking the money line, or you're just taking them to cover? Like, are I'll you? I'll take the money line. I'm going straight money line. Bearcats are winning that game. If the Bearcats aren't favored, great, fine. If the Bearcats are giving points, I'll take the points. I'll give Ohio State points. Yeah, I was going to say you care. can't talk. Bearcats this are way. covering on the win. They're covering on the win. If they're not favored, I'm taking them on. I'm taking them on the money line. If they're not favored, good. You, I, w- I was hoping and, and concerned that you might have been talking this level of, of uh, with this level of brashness, and then simply been saying, "Yeah, we're going to totally cover. We're totally no. covering that line of of sixteen and a half or whatever they set it at." Like, no. If you're going to talk this way, if you're going to ask for it after what happened in 2019, you better be talking money line, Hummer. You better be talking money line. That's two years ago. An eternity. An eternity. eternity in college football. The last time. Eternity in college football. Last time we played Ohio State, no one wore masks around. I mean, it was a completely different yeah. era. COVID didn't even exist. I mean, they all wore masks. Or uh, did it? <laughs> face masks. Uh, uh, either way. My point still stands. Bring them on. Not afraid of them. Would love to beat Ohio State on the big in the on the big stage. If we do end up getting screwed by the College Football Invitational Committee, I'd love to run it back against the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm, oh, some too. retribution. <laughs> me they're too. gonna be the one loss. They're gonna be the one loss SC team in the playoffs. Man, don't worry about that. We, we don't. We ain't gonna get that chance. Well, let's let's kind of wind down this episode. I think this was a good, fun midweek episode during a bye week of just kind of sharing our musings, hearing about Joe's trip trip across the country, um, his his first rendezvous with uh, ayahuasca. But before we sign off, I wanted to hear. I wanted each of us to make a prediction here. On uh, we're recording this on September twenty first. Do you remember? I want us each to make our prediction with what, which four teams will make the college football playoff this season. Joe, you're the guest. Please lead us, lead us off here with your four teams. Putting me on the spot here. Okay. I'm, I'm going to even give you them in the order that I think that they will end up. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I'm going to have the Georgia Bulldogs as the number one seed. They're going to knock off Bama. Wow. I know. Bold proclamation here. I think I see where this is heading. I like it. Wait, can we, wait, wait. Can we can we assign points to the to our predictions here for for a beer mile? <laughs> Man, another beer mile. Oh, wait, beer beer mile is taking a nice turn for Team Coomer. I'm looking forward to it. Way to go, Alec Pierce. <laughs> Keep it up, buddy. Let Joe finish his rankings. Number one, Georgia. Yep. Number two, Oklahoma. 
Number three, Bama. Number four, Cincinnati. <laughs> so you see us getting that rematch regardless. Yep. We're in the college football playoff rematch against Georgia. Does that mean we're making the national championship game this season, Joe? Let's run it back, baby. <laughs> I love it. Hummer, let me hear your four. So just to recap, Joe had Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Cincinnati. Where are you at, Hummer? I'm just going to be completely irrational with everything here. Nah, come on. Uh, give me your four. Give me your, make your prediction. Yeah, no, no. One is going to sound irrational because they're currently sitting at number 10 because somehow it's going to happen. Okay. Actually, that's not true. That's not true. I take that one back. I take that back. I'm going through this in my head. I'm like, I'm trying to <laughs> mass computing. It's not working. All right. Alabama's number one for sure. Uh, Oregon's actually going to sneak in at the number two. Um, Oklahoma is overrated. They're going to fall out. Uh, there has to be a big 10 team in there. So somehow we're going to get screwed between Iowa or Penn state, whoever wins that game. Uh, but Penn state's going to lose to Indiana this weekend. So that doesn't matter. It's going to be Iowa at number three. So Alabama, Oregon, Iowa. And somehow we're just going to get screwed, man. It's going to be Georgia at number four. And Alabama, Georgia, so basically they would probably be running it back. So you go SEC title game to college football playoff game back to back. Is that how that would play out? I feel like that's how it's going to play out. Like, cause they're going to, you got to get beat and you can't drop them and be like, Oh, wow. I only dropped one. But you know, if you have an Oregon and you have an Iowa who both win that last week or something in their championship games, you can't drop them. So they have to go back to four and that's how they end up playing again. A la Michigan, Ohio state back, back to back games in the past. Did Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State ever play a back to back like that, Joe? Uh, at Ohio State, Michigan did. When? What year? Oh, fuck me. You're going to call me on the year. It was in like I mean, 2000, 2008, 2009. Something like that. So this was pre college football playoff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely BCS era. I, I guess I should phrase that, but yeah, same, same kind of circumstance. You're going to end up playing your. Back up for I don't the mic. Know what it is? Yeah, it's it's interference. That's okay. So, I, I like it. I mean, you're getting cheeky there with the with Iowa making the college football playoff. Can you imagine that world? I mean, that that's a heck of a world we're living in when Iowa's making the college football playoff. Could happen though, and uh, I just I think they would probably manipulate things so that Georgia and Alabama wouldn't face each other in the semifinals and would probably do it in the final. But hey, your rankings, your picks. It's September 21st, and that's what you, you know. You don't think they would want that? Think about the ratings, man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The storylines. Oh, my God. They just lost in the SEC championship game. And, oh, my God. They have to get together again in the play first round of the playoff. Winner goes to the championship. The stakes have never been higher for the greatest conference in the world. The world has ever seen the greatest conference ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, viewers. Oh. Dude, they would love that shit. They're all for it. We officially have our voice of the college football invitational committee. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds very Gary Barta. I can, <laughs> that's definitely how I picture his voice. Uh, even well done, more, well even done. more fitting that he's in Iowa. So that's a, that's a pretty good point with Iowa, Gary Barta, those teeth. Whew. <laughs> those teeth. Speaking of teeth, are we ever going to – Joe? I love him. Joe Burrow. Oh, 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 come here. Okay, what's your ranking? Joe Burrow's got something about Mary, Matt Dillon vibes. <laughs> come on. Come on. He did He did get his uh, – it looks like he got some fresh, uh, fresh chompers. At least got some cosmetics done for sure. They're solid. They look yeah. good. The smile's, the smile's beaming. Now hopefully – that can that we could do more smiling on the field as well. Um, all right, look, if I'm going to make my rankings here, uh, it's tough. I, I too default to Alabama securing the number one seed. I think Joe makes a very valid point that Georgia's a threat, their defense looks truly incredible. Um, but I do think that Alabama just seems loaded as always. I love their quarterback. 
And uh, yeah, I think it's Alabama. So they're, they're my number one seed. Number two, that's where I'm having the most difficulty. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel extremely confident in any particular direction at this point. I mean, Ohio state already took a loss. I kind of thought they might figure out a way to sneak in. I'm not overly impressed with, with what the remaining schedule is. Um, but you, yeah, I don't, I don't know guys I'm struggling, but I need to make a pick. So Alabama, number one, I'm going to go with Joe. Did you have Oklahoma number two? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking that Oklahoma is going to be our two. I'm going to have Georgia as our three. And at number four, I think you're going to see Penn State get in there. I think Penn State's going to get in there as number four from the Big Ten. I'm going to uh, maintain... I'm going to stay on brand for me personally and just acknowledge the reality that uh, the undefeated Cincinnati Bearcats will be settling for a, a matchup in the Fiesta bowl against the likes of probably not even Ohio state. I look, I think they're probably going to fade out, um, but maybe the likes of uh, Iowa or the likes of Texas A&M or someone uh, of that caliber. That, that, that's sort of what will happen. So a little bit depressing. I'm probably ending this on too sad of a note. Uh, but again, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be happy here in the coming weeks when, we, when we're when we 4-0 and heading toward that slate that I recapped earlier that is just going to be uh, quite smooth sailing to uh, 8-0, 9-0. You guys want to do it? You guys want to do it? I don't. Uh, we're not going to do it by, by snubbing yeah. them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so we're gonna end the and we're not going to make the playoffs. Sorry, everybody listening. Undefeated doesn't mean shit anymore. Look, there's this. There, all right, if we want to end it on a true good note, all right, here it is. Uh, Mr. Optimism here, as always. There is a chance we can make the playoff. There is a chance. There is a chance. It's <laughs> a chance. So you're telling yeah, me you there's it. a chance. There's a chance. All right. There is a chance we can make the playoff. It involves us having to curb stomp Notre Dame. We have to curb stomp them. We cannot have a first quarter scoreless game. We have to curb stomp them from the very minute we step on the field. We have to show that we are the superior team and leave zero doubts in people's minds that they don't forget that game the rest of the season. And in every game after that, Des needs to play like a Heisman candidate, and we need to curb stomp everybody else. We need 40s, 50s, and 60s for our scores. We need to beat UCF with a score of 40 to, to 14. We need to beat everybody with 40s, 50s, and 60s on out because our conference is dog shit. It can happen. There's it's not no impossible. No one good in this conference. That's what we need to do. That is the roadmap to getting it done. Style points matter this year. We said that before the Miami podcast. Style points matter. What we didn't do against Indiana is put up any style points. That first quarter was the lack of style points. That first quarter was, was our style points, and we didn't put them up. Murray State, we didn't put up style points because of the first half. Here on out, we need style points. We need narrative. Des is nowhere near anybody's top 10 for Heisman anymore because of two games. He needs to get back in the conversation. He doesn't need to win it. He just needs to get back into the conversation. He, we need the Bearcats being consistently talked about in the national media. And the way they do it is their play on the field. They need, frankly, to play better. We need to pump up those numbers. Those are rookie numbers. Yeah. Pump it up, baby. Pump Ooh. it up. Hey, man. At least two times a day, baby. At Ooh. least. <laughs> All right, boys, we'll leave it there. Hummer, thanks for rallying the troops. And this, I don't know how this will be received, but it's a midweek episode during a bye week. Uh, the content's free. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got two more episodes coming during a bye week. I don't even know what we're going to talk about on Sunday. If you've, well, we might, have a, we might have a big guest, Hummer. We're working on a big guest here. I think we might have some things one. to talk about. I'm not going to spoil it because I need to make sure it happens first. Uh, but it feels like a big deal if we get it. And uh, we'll leave it there. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, I'm going to try and say this more often because I'm trying to pump up 
our numbers. I think I set our goal is 152nd in the nation. Please, if you're enjoying the podcast, head to iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, hit us with the five stars or the max rating, whatever you can possibly give us, give it to us. We want to see 152nd in the country in college sports. Help us get there. Joe, welcome back to Cincinnati. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're healthy. And uh, Hummer, thanks for joining us from Philadelphia. I didn't tell everybody why your audio was so crap today. That's why he's on the road again, back in Philadelphia. Until next time, boys, go Bearcats. Go Cats.